0: Hey, welcome everyone to the Reflex Blue Show, I'm your host Donovan Beery, recording once again live from the How Design conference in, we're in Washington A room of the Opryland Resort, this magnificent big, big building. Place. <laughs> yeah, and I'm with Ben Greengrass and Jesse McGuire from Thought Matter. Yeah, this place is large.
1: Exceptionally large. <laughs> I heard third
0: hand, somebody said that this was the largest hotel not, not attached to a casino in America, which I would not be shocked if that was accurate. Mm.
2: That that feels right. I actually was saying that last night that this feels a little like Vegas. Like you you they want you contained in this space.
0: And never and, leave. Yeah, I mean you and you and you could just never leave. Yeah. I assume they want you to take the sidewalk to the actual Grand Old Opera itself, which is just a sidewalk onto the way, I guess. Right. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. The best analogy I've heard is it's like a cruise ship.
0: I've heard that too. Yeah.
1: <laughs> which is I don't know how big I've been on a cruise ship. Don't know how big they are, but it, yeah, I imagine it's right.
0: Yeah, I've I've also never been. We'll see though. We'll see. We'll see if this if we're near a river. We'll see if it floats off. <laughs> <laughs> what 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 kind of surprises we have? So, are you guys enjoying the conference so far?
2: Good. This is for me. This is day three. I was here on uh, Sunday for How Women Lead. This is day two for
0: Ben.
1: Day two. Yeah. Yeah. It's good. It's been uh, had lots of really good conversations. Some interesting people, some old faces. Yeah, it's been really, uh, yeah, been really useful. I think.
0: How was the uh, how the, the the women lead part of it?
1: Great. Came in on Sunday,
2: uh, and this was the first time they did a full day dedicated just through women's leadership, and it was it was great. I mean, it was what I really loved was having a whole bunch of women in a room, and I feel like even as they kicked off that first session, the speaker asked Suzanne, the speaker asked to share some stories, and three women shared very I would say intimate, you know, stories, vulnerable stories. And I feel like that only happens when you feel really safe and you feel like there's a lot of trust. And uh, for me, I think when you bring women together that want to support each other, you you feel that trust. So that's what I really liked about the day.
0: I love that they also were able to get that trust with day one. Yeah. Day one of a conference, you don't always get that. Yeah, day one, speaker one. So that is, that, that's rare, but I think, I think they... they they must have done a great job at it. Then.
2: Yep, so it was it was fantastic, and then uh, we had the the honor and privilege as Thought Matter to sponsor lunch and i feel like everybody um i will say loves food so got a lot of uh, thanks for lunch and it it was really nice and again that allowed everyone to stay in the same space and it allowed everybody to continue to build relationships throughout the day so by the time the day concluded with uh, debbie millman in her 10-year plan people really were excited to kind of think through what were their big dreams and goals and how how could they accomplish them and again it was a testament to i think the flow of the day
0: I also like that you say you got the honor to, to sponsor lunch, like like buying buying lunches is, is an honor. Well, but I feel like when you bring... I just liked your wording. I really liked it on there.
2: Yeah. No, I think that for, for me as a, a woman and somebody who runs and leads and um, is part owner of a, a design studio, I want to be able to use my platform and privilege in a way that supports other women. And what better than uh, to do than lunch? I
0: like it. Well, what is what is Thought Matter doing at, at the How conference itself, you guys—you guys are speaking. Did you have you spoken already, or are you about to?
1: No, we did it. We did it uh, yesterday, ten to ten. A little oh. bit later, actually. It was a bit late because the uh, they seem to have a, uh, a problem getting some people in there. But the doors went back, and we we got well, quite surprisingly, got the double the size of the room that we thought we were going to get, and it was uh, it was great. Yeah, so we uh, yeah we did it yesterday.
0: Well, I mean, you guys got. I I always. Congratulate people who get day one speaking events because then you can enjoy the rest of the conference yes, and whatnot. Exactly. But what was what what's the takeaway you want people to get from your talk? What was what was the speech?
1: Our talk was called "Tales of Brave Design." So, fundamentally, Jesse and I have worked together for ten years, and we told we told the stories or a few stories of you know kind of some of the some of the brave acts that we've we've done over the years. And you really just told our told our stories, our origin stories, and kind of where we where we came from and how we got together and how we as a as a dynamic duo you know sort of spar, spar sometimes with each other but also you know there was a slide there's a slide in there w- which is conflict and chemistry which i think is very very apt you know we don't always agree on everything but we kind of use that to to get to the best cre- cre- creative solution and challenge each other
2: yeah and i feel like for for me um the talk as we put put it together was really around friendship Around the, the friendship that Ben and I have developed over the years that really has allowed us to build trust and exactly what Ben said, be able to create, brave, and, you know, take some risks. And yeah, where, where do people go?
0: I, sh- I, sh- I should have started with this. Where do people go to, to find out more about Thought Matter before, like if they want to check out the work? see what you
2: guys are up to. Sure, definitely our website, thoughtmatter.com, has all of our most recent work in case studies. Uh, we have a section on our site called In Between. In Between is a lot of the work that we do when we call in between client work and in between our passions uh, and things that were, really drive us as a, as a studio. So um, we talked uh, about some of those uh, that work uh, at yesterday's talk. Uh, and then Instagram, You know, we, uh, we actually just jumped back on, on Instagram after taking a hiatus a meta-free year, and we've been putting some of our uh, recent work and some of the culture of the studio on up on Instagram. So,
0: oh, that's fantastic! And and how long have you guys been doing the thought matter? And how large is the company now? Like like, what is the origin story?
2: Yeah, so I can I can tell that story. So we have a founder, Tom Jaffe, who started the studio after his uh, late wife passed, who had owned a studio called Eight Communications, uh, and that was about uh, twelve years ago and he started thought matter as a way to bring together his passions for art design and branding i came on board a year after he started the company as a freelancer hoping to take on my first freelance gig and truly fell in love with the mission of thought matter which at the time was how to develop an artful perspective and uh, over the few years that I was working with Tom, uh, we really then developed the mission of doing work worth doing, so purpose-driven brands, I worked with a few creative directors, but as the work uh, progressed, I kind of missed I missed working with, with Ben, who we had worked at a previous agency, and I called him up and said, let's meet for a beer, and I tend to be... Uh, loud and proud, and maybe a little, a little, little, little bit like Ben. This is all the amazing things we could do. And uh, after a, a few, a few beers, yeah. uh, lured him over and convinced him that, that Thought Matter had an opportunity to to truly grow under his creative leadership.
1: Yeah, and building on that, I think you know the 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 idea of moving to an agency like Thought Matter was for very different. You know, and, and as Jesse said, she we worked we worked together at a bigger agency for a few years. She jumped ship, she went over to ThoughtMail, you know, I I kept sort of tabs on it, what was going on, but I was kind of obviously still doing my thing. But then, yeah, when we had that conversation, the idea of coming to an agency like ThoughtMail, which which was, you know, very different from the bigger agency we were at, doing very different kind of work, and to focus a little bit more on more socially impactful work, I think that was something that that definitely turned my head. And, you know, I felt that was a, a move that I needed to make in my career to, you know, kind of Mix it up a little bit and and get the uh, keep the keep the creative fire burning because I think sometimes designers you know sort of do things for a while and get in the groove and you know and end up doing it in their sleep but then you know you just realize at some point changing course and doing something very different kind of ignites the fire again and you get going and I've definitely been feeling that for the last well for the last five years actually so
0: yeah yeah I think I think if you don't change like the the world the world changes around you anyway yes. and 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 so if you're doing the same thing you're doing five years ago it's it just gets dated fast i mean with technology yeah. changes and, and whatnot and
1: that's part of the beauty of thought man because we don't stand still you know we do lots of different things you know the talk we 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 did yesterday there was different examples of the kind of thinking that we have creative bravery how we think about different kinds of projects and the work so different every time, you know, I feel like we we do have, obviously we're a branded agency, so we, we, you know, our sweet spot is a a really good brand identity system, but, you know, we do campaigns, we do packaging, we do digital, we do all these different things, which for me is less of a focus on one discipline and really using just design to amplify whatever we need to amplify.
0: Fantastic, we'll be right back with Ben and Jesse. One of the things I noticed on your website was I love the work you've done for Misfits Markets. How does that come about? Like, what what is the thing is is you kind of look at the website, you see work, and then you're like, Misfits Markets. I'm I'm not quite sure. It sounds like a grocery store, but you don't know. Like, how how does do they call you? And you're like, I don't even know if you're a real company.
1: (laughs) No. Well, um, so within the walls of Thought Matter, we have a great deal of experience in in CPG and retail. And odds and ends, actually, Misfits Market came to us through an old client from the previous agency, Jet.com. We'd moved over to Thorpe got the call, you know, are you open to working on um, a private label for, for our brand, Misfits Market, which is predominantly known for um, shipping boxes of misshapen fruit and vegetables. Yeah, okay. So... So yeah and i mean that's exactly the kind of work we're looking for you know as i said before you know we 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 pivot a lot with different kinds of projects but this was really the work kind of work we wanted to do regardless of you know the fact it was private label or cpg or whatever it was so so yeah so we we took the call and and that came through through our i guess previous relationship with a brand manager at jet.com and we we embarked on the journey of odds and ends
0: so when you get a project like that is the first thing you do go to the grocery store and start looking at odd shaped apples (laughs) <laughs> like to start seeing like, why would I buy this one instead of a better shaped apple? Or well,
2: actually the first thing we did was actually go online and order the boxes. So everybody in our team was asked to sign up to get the Misfit markets box delivered to their home and start to use it. So I think the other thing that we were really excited about with, the proposition of Misfits Market is not only is it around misshapen fruit, but it is around getting a box of fruits and vegetables that you then have to learn how to, to cook and use. And so there's a discovery element to it mm-hmm. where you are learning a little bit about, about cooking. And so this was pre-pandemic. So they came to us in uh, 2019. We did a workshop with them. Uh, I said the team actually bought all the boxes and started to see what was it like to just get food delivered to your door that you needed to learn how to make. And then We started on the project thinking through what would they, how would they think through their private label, which would be additions to the box. So you would get your produce and now you would uh, pick, say, your granola or your coffee or whatever, and that would be their private label. And then the pandemic hit. So the project was actually put on hold because they were trying to first figure out how they were going to fulfill a lot of orders. Because if you remember when the pandemic hit, no one knew what was happening. No, I
0: mean, I mean, I think in a big business, their first thing is like, just put it on hold, we'll figure it out. And, they, and you don't know how long the hold's going to be. So, yeah, yeah, and that was, I think, every almost every business, you know, I mean.
2: Well, but what I think is yeah. like really specific for Misfits Market at the time was their business completely like, tripled because everybody now was like understanding that they needed things delivered to them and you're in the pandemic and you're not sure and so a lot of uh, new customers came on board because they didn't want to go to the grocery store they didn't want to go and have to uh, look for food so what actually happened which was wonderful for misfits market is there they had to actually focus on distribution and their logistics to get all the boxes out at a time when their business was 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 expanding so we were like wait we will stay and wait until you you know figure all that out because. That means there's an even bigger audience and customer base for this private label. And I think we, we did the right thing by saying, we're, we're here, we're ready when you're ready.
1: And they went, I mean, they went from, well, I forget the numbers, but it was something like they were, they were covering six states on the East Coast. Originally. So your case study went to, great
0: before you did any
1: work. Well, yeah, we sat, there, watched, sat, sat there watching <laughs> the case study grow, I think. But, <laughs> yeah. but yeah. So, so the it, day we signed, yes.
0: the day we even, yeah. before we even began, business tripled but as you know as as a design (laughs)
1: idea and as a design system i was i know i was truly expecting that because we did all the naming we did all the you know we did the design we had we had the system ready to go obviously the pandemic came their business blew up went went um went nationwide and then fast forward 18 months you expect the work you've done to then be reassessed or to be kind of you know put through the put through the blender again to see where you end up but actually you know i think it was a testament to the the work we did in the first place they were like no we're going to take this and roll with it and it was ready to go so we we went from sort of that kind of hiatus through to rollout and literally getting on and getting the skus put out there you know for their launch which as a designer i was quite excited about that it just kind of was testament to the work we did and, and i think sort of validated all the decisions we made pre-pandemic so so yeah and then um now they they are expanding. They've acquired Imperfect Foods, which is a very similar business. And yeah, because the whole idea,
0: I believe, is that if you go to the grocery store, it's like all the apples are way too good looking to all come. Be well, the supermarkets, yeah, supermarkets
1: grow. want beautiful shaped which I understand produce, yeah, because people don't like ugly stuff, do they? So no, and,
0: and, but they're but they're but they're perfectly fine.
1: They're actually yeah, I mean they're organic produce. They're perfectly fine. The, you know we think there's beauty in that imperfection, so you know, but. Yeah, and, and and actually getting some of the boxes was quite interesting because you were, you know, when you were getting these boxes delivered with a misshapen fruit and veg, you know, sometimes it's it's interesting what you get, and you didn't really know, you know, because it wasn't like you said, I want five apples and six oranges and and some potatoes. You kind of got a mixture of of a, a surprise. So to Jesse's point, it's a discovery moment. You end up trying to figure out what you're going to do with the things you do get, you know, and it, particularly during a pandemic, I think. That just worked beautifully for the places people people's minds were. You know, they wanted to kind of have the they wanted to get the produce in the first place, but then had more time to figure out what they did with it and be creative and discover and and uh, and, and whatnot. So.
0: And so, so they picked up then imperfect imperfect foods. Imperfect foods, yeah, yeah. I love these names, <laughs> but I think they also know that when you open up the box and it doesn't look exactly like the grocery store apple because they're they're maybe even different sizes, which also the grocery store is going to be a yeah. consistent size for some which is also isn't normal. Well, um, I think
2: it also, uh, it's not normal, but I think it also has been put such a pressure on our food systems because you're having so much waste and you're having so much, I feel like consumers have such a, the, the awareness of understanding when you go to a grocery store and you don't like something or you push it aside or it's bruised, that all becomes waste, right? It becomes these... Uh, like i said a tremendous pressure on our, our food systems what i think is really wonderful about misfits market as well as what imperfect foods is doing is making us all question and understand a little bit more about our food supply and a little bit more about how how growers and how distributors actually think through that food and i think there should be more education around that because we are sometimes we think again but you were saying perfect foods is is normal and that's not true i mean there's beauty, as Ben said, in, in imperfection, uh, as well as helping us understand a little bit more about where our food comes from and how it gets to us and what we're paying for. And I think Misfits Market is truly a, a pioneer in that. Um, and when they uh, acquired Imperfect Foods, it helped expand their distribution systems because they had their own fleet, so to be able to deliver the food uh, faster and quicker and in a more local fashion.
0: And is that like a? I mean, is that is that is that type of project very typical for what? what Thought Matter does.
1: I would say it's a good example of the kind of work we want to do. You know, we call it work worth doing for a reason. There you go. That is, yeah, front and center kind of the project, kind of project that we, we were definitely drawn to.
0: Well, we'll be right back. What's the advice you, you, you give to uh, younger designers that want to get in this field?
1: Good question. Are we recording? Are we recording? Yeah, I mean, is it, is it,
0: <laughs> is it the eat imperfect uh, trail mix? I mean that's good advice anyway. <laughs>
1: <laughs> no, I th- I th- I think we do we we have a lot of conversations with the with the younger design community. So we have a event that we do called Afterthought, which originally, and this happens a lot of thought, originally it was an idea around coaching and mentorship in the in the in the design industry and it kind of evolved into event that we put on. We've had um, where's
0: the event held?
1: So the, the event is held in our, our studio in the Flatline in New York.
0: Okay.
1: And we invite deliberately invite the younger members of, of the design community to come and engage in different conversations. So and I think we're on our second one now and a third one's coming up in, in in a couple of weeks. We generally set a set a conversational or or a, a concept behind it to start a conversation, a curated conversation. And then we invite Young generation of designers and creatives to come in and, and and ask some questions and talk about some of the things on their mind and some of the things that they might not get to ask. I think it's been really successful and we've kind of built up a, a really strong, I guess, community of of people who come along. So the first what the first one you know was, was was a pretty good turnout. I think the second one you know sold out. Third one looking like it's going to sell out again. So we got this. What sort was of,
0: what, what what was the prompt like of either the first or second one to give people an idea of like.
1: So the first one was around hybrids? Hybrid worlds. Hybrid worlds.
0: Yeah, so if
2: I can um, build up what, what Ben is talking about. I think something that I have learned in my career, as a, I started as a little baby designer, I was uh, very lucky to go to Pratt Institute uh, early early 2000s and was really excited to join this industry, be a part of especially the graphic design industry. Uh, a lot of my design heroes that I was so excited to want to be in the industry and I realized how many hurdles there actually are to getting into an industry if you don't know anybody or you don't have a certain level of access. Um, And so as I have progressed in my career and the work that Ben and I have done, uh, we are really committed to how can we open our doors and how can we invite in young designers that might not have the opportunity to come into an agency. Maybe they don't have an opportunity for an internship or maybe they aren't able to be in New York and afford New York uh, prices uh, day to day. And so for us, it's how how do we open our doors? How do we share our resources? How do we allow young people to come in and see what it's like and where the potential can can be and so I think afterthought the name, even we said, one person's afterthought is another's inspiration, uh, because a lot,
0: yeah, yeah, uh,
2: because a lot of times, you know, um, and maybe as we get further in our career, maybe we get a little jaded, maybe we get a little like, oh, this is just the way that it is, and so it is kind of just an afterthought of, oh, I'm going to take for granted that I'm in a studio, and but that really could be an inspiration for a young person who is thinking about, okay, well, what is it like day to day to be in a studio? What is it like to conceptualize ideas? What is it like to brainstorm with other designers? What is it like to celebrate who I am in a in a you know in an industry that maybe I don't see myself. So for us we've wanted to do these events that don't have a you know a specific return on investment from a client side like this just truly is our opportunity to uh, share our thinking and our resources and also learn from the young people that are coming to our studio. I can't tell you how many times I've had conversations uh, with up and coming designer at one of the community colleges in New York who, you know, shares something about something that's happening in their community that I didn't know. And I didn't even know that design could have an impact in, in that community. And so that allows us to, to understand a little bit more about New York City, because New York City, there's five boroughs, but everyone, especially in design, you think it's just Manhattan, center of Manhattan, but there's so many other uh, areas and communities that could be impacted by design. That's really, for me, what I get excited about when we do do these events, and we're excited to do one each quarter and be able to also learn how to make it better each time. So the third one that we're doing uh, that's up and coming is all around Connected by Difference. We did a piece of research around the intersection of Gen Z and first-generation American, so, what does that uh, lived experience look like, and sure. how we can celebrate that? So, uh, we're creating an event uh, called "Connected by Difference" a conversation around immigration, um, again, access, education. Uh, how to how to push you know the, the younger generation forward, and they have so much that they can teach us about being connected to so many different cultures at any given time.
0: I like that. I mean, it's always fun to to hear mm-hmm. when design agencies or even designers find a way to kind of. We all want to get back in some way, but and and obviously the ideal thing is you know you, you want to get an internship when you're a student, mm-hmm. but sometimes either as you said they don't have access, or sometimes they they just feel like they don't have the time, or they they're intimidated. I know, right on school you're like I'm kind of intimidated. I can't go work for this place, but I like that you found a way to get everyone just in because networking is sometimes just those events, and it's not just talking about design or whatever. It's talking mm-hmm. about Whatever, whatever topic, you know, and making a connection with people. So I think you, you you're creating networks, whether you planned on it or not.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And I do think sometimes even the word networking can feel very intimidating and very exclusive. Like, oh, do I need to know something? And I think what again? What do word? I need to hobnob? Yeah, like rubber robos, <laughs> like um, make friends and influence people. Like what books do I need do? a pocket
0: square? Yeah. yeah,
2: yeah. But no. But this for us is, I said less about a an exclusive name for something. This is literally like, okay, come and enjoy our space. And we're also very fortunate. Our We have a studio. We kept our studio through the pandemic. And we have uh, some amazing art in our, our space. Uh, we have pieces of our founder's contemporary art collection, uh, which also, you know, not everybody has access to be able to see work from some of these uh, prominent, you know, contemporary artists. And so it also allows us to have those conversations and, you know, talk about the importance of just, art in our lives and being able to see how that impacts creative life. Uh, so, so, yeah, so it's just a really great opportunity to
0: share. Do you guys, do you guys come up with prompts yourself or you guys take suggestions or?
1: We generally, do what we always do at ThoughtMath, have a, uh, what we call a brain range. So we'll get together, we'll talk about the event, we'll talk about kind of, you know, the conversations that we, we kind of want to have. I mean, they're very, and they're very accessible events as well. I think that's the key to bring, yeah. to be very, sort of focused on the community that you're bringing in make it really accessible to you know to the earlier point networking the word the the word networking is horrible isn't it you kind of conjures up that kind of walking in a room with a a bunch of people and trying to like start a conversation and not knowing how to do that so I think you know as we get together and think about these events we we think very seriously about kind of the kind of the conversations that we want to have. How we can make people feel at ease to come in and have those conversations, and really, make, and really just break it down, so it's not not that kind of scary event where you're coming into an agency and you're like, oh no, I can't speak to that person or the other person. So
2: yeah, we engage our entire staff. So we're about 22 people. We flux between 22 and 25 people. Uh, and so, as Ben said, we we like to brain rain brainstorm to too angry too, too okay. aggressive okay. so okay. we brain rain I'm still um, a big fan
1: of Thor Shadow, but it hasn't taken on yet
2: <laughs> thought but yeah no for us it's it's bringing together you know the 22 people in our, our studio that all have very different lived experiences all have different experiences going through uh, school different types of school and so it's really asking everybody like what would you what would you have liked when you mm. were 18 to 20 21 what would that look like and uh, that's really how we've gotten exactly what Ben said a lot of the prompts and, and the thinking uh, so that we're always evolving the event it's never it's not like a you know a set template it really is an opportunity to to have an event that everyone's excited about so again it is about access but it's also for our team to come together and uh learn and share uh and be really really jazzed by uh,
1: so so the next event is so the first couple of events were around sort of you did some presentations and some sort of we shared some stories and kind of did that
0: we also have students or recent students showing up to your office they probably want they want to see a few things i assume
1: yeah and we'll, we'll always yeah. do that but but now this this next event we we're, we're kind of setting up a little bit more like a i guess one of the better phrase speed dating so it's more there'll be more conversations and more access and i think that's that's exciting me for the next one i think do you guys do
0: these like one-on-one or is it still in groups or like it's, it, I mean, I'm the, sure it am sure
1: the speed dating, well, yeah. Yeah.
2: yeah. We have to, what, we have two weeks. Well, in two weeks, we'll let you know. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Still. we
1: have a lot of ideas, but yeah. we need, we need to bring, as usual. It's thought, Matt. We need to like get down and we, we, always do it, but we'll figure it out.
0: But I, you're- I think the best events in, and it's, it's kind of like this conference. Someone mentioned they're like, I think you know. I thought it, it was more like this but I was like this conference makes bigger changes than you think every year and it's yeah. probably whether yeah so it feels the same but it's still relevant but if you came 20 years ago and you came now you'd be like this is completely different which is why it's still around so and I'm assuming I'm assuming this will be similar
2: yeah I think that there's something to how you can evolve and, uh stay relevant and uh, deliver for your community and I think how continues to do that over the years really thinking about what the what the design community needs and wants in many ways deserves and I think it, it needs to continue to evolve okay well I
0: thank you very much for your time and and you guys are you guys got a trade show booth there too we, what's do. we do what's what's so and they got you on double duty you've got they got you paying for lunch they got <laughs> you to speak and they got you at the trade show booth man
2: I know. I feel you need like to I talk ju- to somebody. I love just ask, ask asking for <laughs> <I> things. Love, <laughs> I love. No, it was no, what's, great. What's what's the booth? So yeah, so kind of similar to what we were talking about with Afterthought and, and just giving access, you know, something we t- we thought about. Uh, and I've been to many a many a how. I, I actually was at uh, last night. And I was talking to somebody, and I really dated myself because they were like, "Oh, just like a couple of years ago." And I was like, "Well, maybe like early two thousands in Chicago." Yeah. So I've been to many hows as a student, as a uh, you know a director, now as a uh, you know managing partner, and. I always say to Ben, like, what can we do to like push the needle or how can we, we share our stories? And so, yes, at, at the How Women Lead, being able to, to share a couple internship stories right ahead of lunch. And then we were able to share our creative bravery story yesterday. And then I felt the booth was actually very similar to Afterthought in many ways, which is how can we give access to some of the work that we've done? How can we give, uh, you know, a platform to some of the collateral we've created with our interns? And it's been really wonderful. I, I just love yeah. talking with people uh, and hearing their stories and what are they looking for? And where is our design community going? And the booth has allowed us to just engage in those stories. And people love, love printed material. Like yesterday when the doors opened, <laughs> like people were just like taking things. didn't realize and we how like, much.
1: Well, kind it, of did. But yeah, yeah it, all, it went, yeah, know, it started uh, to go pretty quickly. I yeah. talked
0: to another booth and they said, we're out we, we yeah. has got to be yeah. all first day. Well, we're out so. now. <laughs> yeah, no,
2: but but it's great. But I think uh, as designers, you create physical things, printed mm. materials, and maybe it's for a client or maybe it's for something specific. But you want people to enjoy it. You want people to be able yeah. to hold and physically touch and really see the stories that we've created. So I was really excited to, to give it out. It was a little overwhelming at first. I was like, oh my gosh, what do I do? But we were, uh, you know, excited to have the, the booth. And I think mm. more studios should do that so that we can talk about uh, the work that you're doing and like I said, also learn what the what the community, the design community, is is looking for. As we as we were talking about earlier, to continue to evolve and stay relevant and stay really, uh, I don't know what the word is, but like. Yeah.
0: Well, where do you um, think the design the pulse. world? Where do you think the design world's moving?
2: I think it's more where I hope it's moving. Uh, I really do hope that uh, we can continue to celebrate a diversity of perspectives. Uh, I'm really excited uh, for the talk this afternoon around decolonization of design, uh, social justice handbook. Um, And I really think it's about how we can bring more people with different lived experiences and different cultures to celebrate the impact that design has on communities and clients. Because when it's so single-focused, uh, I feel like we're, miss- we're really missing out on the, the, the impact and power that design can have.
0: Yeah, and I think, I think you have to have diversity because we're, we're selling to everybody, not not every product for everybody, but, mm-hmm. but at some point we're selling a message to every single person. And if we don't have those people working in the field, how do you reach them? Yeah, yeah.
2: absolutely. And I think it's more than just saying we need diversity. I think it's actually supporting different voices. I think it's supporting different uh, backgrounds, different cultures, and truly helping people to feel that they belong part of this community. So to your point, they can create work that expands just the world that we're living in and reflecting the world that we're living in. Uh, So for me, it's going past just saying diversity, but it's really understanding what that looks like in practice. Uh, so that's where what I'm. You,
0: what do you think places can do to support that message or to move in that direction? Like, what do they need to do that they're not doing now?
2: Yeah, that's a great question. I think uh, for, for us, and again, I don't have all the answers, but for us, like, talking to as many people as you can from different varied backgrounds. I mean, even starting, and I love talking about young people, even talking about schools, you know, we even saw when you start recruiting or you're looking for young people, it's the same private art schools with the same programs and the same, you know, alumni, which are great, tremendous, I went to two private art schools, but how can we open up our lens and our scope to community colleges, to technical colleges, to schools, um, and maybe not even colleges, uh, creative creative young people who just want to be in the industry industry, that's where you start to get those new new ideas and perspectives. So you have to actually open up the conversation. You have to meet people that might not be part of your network, that might make you, uh, I always say, make you slightly uncomfortable because they might not look like you or sound like you or have the same experience. And so how do you be open to that? So I think um, as we've talked to our peers in other uh, agencies and talking to our clients, I always ask, like, where are you Getting your stories, where are you getting your talent? Where are you getting your perspectives from? Oh
0: yeah. I guess it also starts from questions you ask your, your your customers.
2: Yeah. I mean we say that all the time with our clients. There's been clients that we've come come to want to work with us because they're excited about our, you know, commitment to the unmet needs and, and work worth doing. And and sometimes we ask questions and it turns out that as um you know, a client organization, they're not living by values that align with ours and you know we have to say thank you but no thank you and maybe here's some you know here's our reason why being really transparent because i think that you need to be as what ben and i said in our our presentation yesterday you need to stand by your convictions and you need Mm -hmm. to like live it and breathe it and and not compromise because as soon as you compromise that's when it becomes really easy to to uh lose sight of what the 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 goal is
0: no and, and and that's that's good and and i always i always you know always share with students the glacier did his road to hell or whatever mm-hmm. and it's the 12 things to see like would you do this would you do that and, and it's like you you recheck it every few years and, and I don't know anyone who said yes or no to all of them maybe maybe I do but, but <laughs> usually vast majority won't say but you'll find like if they're on hard times they might say yes to a lot more or something so it's like you got to remind yourself mm-hmm. on on like what what type of work would I take you know or, or not take because because you, you can't do all every work anyway
2: yeah. And I said being really honest with yourself. I think that's what Ben and I talk about. And even I talk about with uh, my business partner is how do we continue out yeah, to your point? I keep asking ourselves the question and how do we be really honest? Because there's sometimes where you like start to be like, oh, but what about this? Or what about that? But then yeah. you say, okay, you know, is this actually aligning with our values? Is this actually uh, going to deliver the kind of work? Is this actually what, you know, for me, my responsibility is to the team? Uh, is this really what the team is? Is expecting from me as as a leader, and knowing that when I wake up in the morning, I'm I'm being truly honest
0: about it. And there's a, there's always red flags with every project, but you start to get more and more red flags, and every now and then you're like, I need the work, and you take it, and then then you do the work, and you're like, I regret this. I need to I need to remember why why I why I say no.
2: Yeah, yeah. I I always say, uh, especially uh, for me as a woman, as a woman of color, sometimes no is a full sentence.
0: Yeah. That's great. So Well, Jesse, Ben, thank you very much. Enjoy the rest of the conference. It's great. It was a pleasure to meet you. And let's go let's go get some uh, weird weird weird-shaped foods. That sounds good. Well thank (laughs) you so much. Thank you. The Reflex Blue Show with Donovan Miri is hosted at 36point.com. Music by Dust Lab.